survive and thrive. This is a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but thrive in change. I'm your host and co-founder of Consinity, Jennifer Ayers. This week, we're going to do something a little bit different. I have invited one of our previous guests, Steve Van Valen, to come back and talk with us because we're hearing a lot of discussion and we're participating in a lot of conversations with our clients and getting phone calls about this subject. How do we address some of the anxieties or concerns with moving into a more of an integrated workplace that might have a virtual component. We all have experienced in the last 18 months uh, a very unprecedented event in our work lives, and many of us did go virtual. And businesses are still continuing to figure out what does the new work structure look like, whether you're all virtual or you're in some kind of hybrid structure, or maybe you're returning to the office. There's a lot of conversation and I would say just anxiety and anticipation around this subject. So I thought it would be really cool to bring one of my favorite colleagues, Steve Van Valen, into this conversation today to address some of the ways that people and leaders can support their teams as the evolution of the workplace, whatever that looks like, unfolds before us. So Steve, I know you've given some of your background in the past, but maybe just a real quick soundbite on yourself and we'll we'll dive into some some questions on how we can help leaders think about ways to support their teams during this time. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. It's great to be with you here today talking about this uh, important subject. So I'm founder and CEO of Culturology, and essentially, I help companies shape their culture. So we do that from the inside out with practices on articulating what their culture uh, is really all about, and then the things that bring it to life to integrate those things to make the, the beliefs that you have about your culture come true. Awesome. Steve, you and I are working on some engagements together. We have uh, independently gotten outreaches around this subject. We ourselves are continuing to explore some of the latest research on the evolution of our workplace experience. And I'm curious in terms of what you're seeing and hearing, what is really important that leaders are thinking about as we move into this next evolution of our work experience? The most obvious thing that we're missing because of the virtual separation that we have with each other in the office place is the ability to really connect on ideas and have those conversations with each other organically. But the other more hidden one that actually could have and more of an impact culturally, and even on the total experience for the employee in general, is this idea of belonging. So McKinsey, their most recent data on what was engaging people in the workplace showed that belonging since the pandemic uh, took place was number one factor for engagement. And Jennifer, we've always seen belonging as a, a really key item in the whole you know, repertoire of the things that engage people. But I think it's so interesting that it rose to the top in this environment where you have this combination of being, again, separated with each other at virtually. And then on top of that, the, the stress and anxiety that comes with the pandemic and everything that we've been seeing, you know, politically and otherwise 
around the world. So we're really focusing on helping people get back that sense of belonging because that leads to engagement. And we know if they're engaged, it's all about performance. That is so true. And, you know, I'm not surprised that McKinsey surfaced that as one of the number one needs, especially if you just think about all the research that's been done culturally around the world, especially the blue zone research, for example, where communities with um, individuals that seem to be the healthiest and live the longest and have the highest quality of life are those communities that foster or nurture that sense of belonging. So, um, gee, no surprise that it shows up as a as a workplace need if you're going to spend <laughs> at least uh, almost two thirds of your day there, right? Yeah, it's so interesting the about the blue zone that you know this idea of belonging or having a clear sense of purpose for your life is is not only about bodily health, you know, being living longer, but it's about mental health and bringing your best uh, person, the best of who you are, forward to be able to perform you know, as an individual and, and of course, uh, as a team. So it is so significant for sure. True. And uh, so, Steve, I'm thinking maybe our listeners could benefit from some just practical tips or ideas on how to nurture or foster a sense of belonging in an organization, especially if we're, you know, navigating a hybrid environment. Yeah, absolutely. It's really about being intentional about it. I mean, if the problem is that people are, are wanting or lacking this sense of belonging, we have to be intentional to, to try to get it back. And we actually look at some of the very specific tactics that leaders can do right at the ground level to help build back this, this sense of, you know, I'm part of this team and, you know, I feel the resolve of the team is galvanized and I'm, and I'm in it, you know, I'm in it to win it, so to speak. The number one thing that we're looking at is just even the questions that leaders can ask of individuals. You know, I, I call them includer questions. And this is something, Jennifer, we're actually training people to think through. And we give them a whole portfolio of potential questions that they can think about, look at before they go into a meeting or, or perhaps even a key one-on-one conversation. You just remind themselves of some things that can pull people back into a sense of belonging. So the most basic one that seems maybe like a no-brainer is simply asking people what their opinion is. So Jennifer, what's your opinion on? And of course you have thoughts on that. You've probably been thinking about it for months. <laughs> and for me as a leader, to simply ask you that and invites you into the equation. Also put yourself as a leader in, into this scenario too. Like, you know, what's your thoughts on how I can lead differently to be, you know, more inclusive? Or how can I run these meetings more effectively to get more participation? Or, you know, something like, how, how do you think we can improve things around here, especially now that we're virtual, and invite that participation? So some of this may come naturally to people. Jennifer's you know, I know some people are just naturally gifted and thinking through this sort of empathetic orientation. I guess for the rest of us, myself included, I really almost need to train myself to be intentional by thinking about the list. That is one. It's as simple as asking those questions that invite people in. That's fantastic. So inclusive questioning. And by the way, for our listeners, last week, we did an interview with Rachana Bide, and she talked about this theme as well. And she 
described it as appreciative inquiry. So if you haven't had a chance to tune into episode seven last week, definitely jump back and see what she has to say in support of what Steve is suggesting that we do as leaders in our team meetings. So inclusive questions is is one good idea. What else might be some some things that leaders can do? Well, think about where your culture really lives and dies. And, and typically, people are spending more than 50% of their time in meetings. I call that sort of the synapse of your culture. You know, this is where the conversations take place and whether the dynamics are really excellent and energizing or maybe they're you know, almost toxic or eye-rolling, painfully boring, (laughs) can really depend on how you as a leader manage that. And so again, the idea is how do we make these meetings more energizing and fun? And and also, if we're not seeing each other on a regular basis, how can you get people to know each other? How can you understand sort of your strengths or challenges, maybe even the stress that you're going through and share that in a way that's not uh, maybe putting people on the spot? but just feels like a natural thing to do. And you have to be intentional with it. So what we've designed, we call it the virtual meeting team player playbook. Say that three times, right? But the idea is at the beginning of a meeting, how do you start the meeting to to talk about one item that every player in the call can participate in? And this is just one example, but based on the hometown that you grew up in, What's one value that you see operating in your life? Okay, so boy, if I didn't know where you grew up and you didn't know where I grew up, first of all, that's kind of interesting. And there's always a story behind it. But to really talk about one of those homespun values that shows up at work, uh, that's always interesting. And it helps people really sort of assume innocence and understand where they're coming from at, at times. And uh, we can do this, but again, we have to be intentional. And the list, (laughs) it is there to help people sort of plan those meetings, which um, again, is so critical to your culture and the whole sense of belonging. So that's tactical, but we're seeing some really amazing results with that. I think that's a great one. And especially since if it wasn't blurry before the pandemic, the lines between our work lives and our personal lives have quote unquote, virtually disappeared. So, you know, there's this um, emphasis around this element of humanity that was introduced in the work experience, being virtual, being stuck at home and starting to share with people like just things that are going on in the background. Kids have this going on and you almost couldn't avoid literally finding out about (laughs) some things in people's lives because you were in their living room or, or in their bedroom on a Zoom call, something like that. It's so true. And, and actually, that's one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic is the fact that we do recognize that, that we have this whole life. It's not work life and home life. It's one whole life. And that's who I am. That's who you are. It's the real person. I mean, everyone that works with me on a regular basis knows that I have two dogs and two cats and <laughs> you know, the, because they see them or they hear them, and it's it just makes a connection that way, which is which is kind of interesting, and uh, we can't take that for granted. And again, it, it helps us sort of be better able to relate to each other if we don't know these things about each other. Again, I'm, I'll go back to the theme here as a leader to be really intentional to to ask people, you know, what, what's keeping you up at night? You know, like what. Are, 
how's it really going? Like what, how are you, how's your family? I know you have two kids and how are they dealing with things at, at school? And, and just without prying, you know, people respect the fact that we care about them and, and that we're advocates for their success. And so I think that's something that we, we can do. And it's, it's kind of open up the door a little bit to, from the pandemic as a result of the pandemic to be able to, you know, probe on some of these things about each other. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's throw one more out there. This can be three tips for folks to walk away with. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So my last recommendation here about belonging is actually one pandemic or not. I think it is absolutely critical for every high performance culture, every great relationship, building trust with each other. And it may not be a surprise to your listeners, but it's all about appreciation. So this is the idea and the mindset that great leaders and teammates have about catching each other doing things right and looking for that. We are working so hard. The number of hours that people are putting in right now is going exponentially up, um, according to all the statistics. And we're doing some good work. We're keeping the economy afloat and our families afloat. And we need to do a better job of being able to catch people doing things right when you see that discretionary effort happening from them. And so what we're teaching people within a culture is how to have the right words on how to say it. So Jennifer, I'm working with you and and you do a, a, a really nice project work or something, wrap up a project in an amazing way. One of my options as a leader is to simply say, great job. Okay. And that's what that's where a lot of people stop. They go, great job. And you go, oh boy. You know, like it's, it's kind of like if, if you posted something on Facebook or Instagram and somebody hits the like button, it's like, okay, you know, like it's, it's okay. I got, you know, 50 likes, 100 likes, big deal. You look at the names because we're all egotistical to see that. But when you're able to tell the story, I call it the meaning maker narrative, when you can actually paint the picture for what the person did, how they did it, and why it really matters. That is kind of the equivalent of Instagram or Facebook when you make a comment. So if you go to one of your posts on social media and you see that somebody commented, what's the first thing you're going to click? You're going to open that up to see what they commented. It's the same way with a boss or even a team member being able to paint this picture and describe the be- the winning behavior that took place and then why it really matters. And usually when you're able to do that for people, you get this emotional response from them. First of all, they recognize that you're an advocate and that you care about them enough to have taken the opportunity to say that to them. And it also reinforces those good things that you did so you know what to do the next time. This is how culture is established, you know, from the inside out. My last thing I'll say about that, Jennifer, is that a lot of us are out of practice with it about giving appreciation and telling that story. So I recommend to people when we teach this, you know, within cultures is to practice on everyday people. That's the grocery clerk who's bagging up your groceries in an amazing way. That's the uh, the person at the dry cleaner who always has that amazing attitude and, and takes care of you right away, even if when they're busy. 
Uh, this is the, uh, the, the nurse at your, your doctor's office who seems to really care and had a great attitude. It's these kind of people that we run into. And oh, by the way, your family members and your kids, <laughs> the, the ones that probably get the least amount of recognition and appreciation are the ones we need to practice on. If we can do it with them and then see the rec- see the response that happens in their eyes and, and the way they respond to what you said, it's going to give us sort of a greater level of confidence, even if we're an introvert like me, to be able to take a, take a chance, take a risk, and be able to give that appreciation that they so badly need. That will cause belonging to happen in a big way, whether it's a pandemic or not. Love it. Love it. So creating uh, the meaning maker, showing appreciation, the what, the how, and the why people, those three pieces are important so that individuals actually absorb the feedback and what you're sharing. Well, this has been awesome, Steve. I appreciate you just jumping in here and creating this uh Brief little tips and tricks consideration for leaders who are navigating this new environment we're in. So in summary, ask inclusive questions, be a virtual team player, and show appreciation, folks. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining our episode of Survive and Thrive podcast. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive. Thrive. Take care.